I'm Rob Dietz. I'm Jason Bradford. And I'm Sharon Miller. And welcome to Crazy Town, where the future looks like the past, only shittier. Hey, Jason. Hey, Asher. How are you guys doing? Meh. Eh. I'm a meh today. Wow. Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull you up from meh land and... Uh, yeah, tell me a story I'm going to invite you into a story. How'd you know? I guess that's what you is did. It, is it story time it's and like then the we after, could do nap? It's like, yes. the after, it's like that time of day. Yeah, the yes. story time and then nap it's time. It's a summer, well, warm and summer for day. Our, for our three listeners, they get nap time immediately exactly. as, I, as I begin this story. Well, why do you think they're listening? Yeah. Uh, your voice is so soothing. Yes. So let me set this the scene here in Crazy Town. So, uh, so I, I do want to give you the setting first. Okay, this is near my house uh, where I live oh. in Portland. Yeah, been there. Um, so you you've actually seen this. There is a parking lot. I believe I've mentioned it before, but there's a parking lot very close to home, like probably. A hundred yards as the Had it crow been flies. paradise before that, and then they paved it? Yes, and it yes. And Joni Mitchell does concerts there every okay. day. Is this okay. at the Seventh-day Adventist church? Uh, it is near the, the yeah, some kind of church. Yeah, I don't the know. Seventh-day Adventist. Anyway, this there's a public parking lot along a main thoroughfare of the city of Portland. Or is it Jehovah's Witness? I don't, yeah, Jehovah's Witness, sure. Is, it, is that what it is? I believe you it is, You should know. Yes. You're trying to get our listeners to be able to triangulate so they know yeah, exactly where right. Rob lives and they're going to show up at his door. Oh, it'll be great. We'll start a cult. Uh, okay, so this parking lot, um, which I've taken to calling Camelot, oh. uh, just because it has a you know a fantastical name. Hopefully that's not insensitive. Okay. Uh, during the pandemic, it became the site of regular encampments for for houseless people so yeah, i remember that they were setting up tents uh parking rvs and it wasn't like that before COVID. no 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 huh. running generators and it became uh a real mess i mean there were a lot of people whatever taking a crap there uh there was litter like at one point it seriously looked like a huge garbage dump the but city was, this is a parking spot though also for like transport for public transport this was like a place people would drop their car and then get on buses I you, think. you could do that, that or it was supposed to be parking to go to a nearby business you know that so kind there of were stuff. businesses right there too yeah across yeah. the street and one of them ended up closing because it it just got to be too much for them i think uh-huh. but and, and there were problems there were drug dealers uh, that i regularly saw there there were people openly uh shooting up and uh, I mean, and, and, you know, it's near a middle school, all this stuff. And Let me look up the Zillow price on your home right now. Culminated, culminated in a murder. Uh, oh, jeez. Yeah, somebody was shot there. Uh, and yeah, scary, scary stuff. Jesus. And at that point, I think with the murder, the city said, okay, we got to put an end to this. And so the, the group in charge, the Portland Bureau of Transportation, brought in these big like highway blocks and kind of put them in this parking area to sort of disrupt the amount of space where you could put a tent or an RV and started doing a little more enforcement. Like, okay, you, you can't hmm. camp here. So there's like 40 campsites gone, but they just moved somewhere else. Yeah. I don't know where the people had to move to. Right. And, uh, but in the aftermath of that, it's been quieter. I haven't seen uh, much drug trade. So, so it's really changed. There are fewer people there and stuff. Yeah. There's nobody yeah, there. But, I was well, there recently. It was like- people still do come in, though, occasionally. Oh. So I've told you guys that my number one hobby is getting a trash yeah, cart and yeah. walking yes. around and picking up litter. So Yeah, I've seen your setup. It's impressive. It's, it's are, you, great. are you out of a job now? So. <laughs> no. So this is the problem is I, I walked through there and I was like, oh, man, this is bad. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clean it up. 
And so I, I did that after work one day. It was like kind of dusky, you know, getting on towards sunset. And I'm walking through. And back in the corner of Camelot, there was just a pile of donuts, pizzas, and whole sausages. What? Like somebody oh, throw like, it out or something? Just, like? Yeah, like a huge pile of... Not eaten? Yeah. Like, I mean, there were boxes too. You know, they probably ate some. But it's just like the back of a Safeway or something. Someone raided the dumpster. I, you know, I... I have no idea the origins of it, but it was yeah. it was a lot, and, and so I. Um, Did you go to town? You're just like scarfing. <laughs> that is not my method of okay. cleaning up, but uh, I'll try to maybe maybe change Next that. time, Rob. Yeah, that's don't, better be recycling, wasted. right? Yeah. yeah, don't waste it. Or put so, it in a warm compost bin. Yeah, so I'm I'm picking all this up and putting it in my uh, my cart, and this man uh, starts approaching me, and he's got a cart. And it's got uh, carts. Yeah, it's it's pretty good one actually. He it's a three wheeler like those uh, jog strollers that you use with a. Baby. Is it electric? Really? No, no. But he he had a suitcase sort of attached to it, and this big orange kind of round thing sticking out the top. And he's he's walking up to me, and I get kind of like, okay, I gotta be on my, I gotta be on alert. Like, wh- who is this guy? I don't know him, and I I just want to be, you know, aware of my surroundings. And he mm-hmm. walks up to me. And uh, he says, hey, uh, are you staying here tonight? Um, and I said, uh, no, I'm, I'm just living in the neighborhood and I volunteer to pick up trash every once in a while. Uh, and and he, he doesn't look me in the face. He's looking mm-hmm. at the ground as he asks that question. And then his response to me telling, telling him what I was doing is he said, oh, I was afraid of that. What? And, oh. and I was like, what? Well, yeah, I was, I was kind of puzzled, like, why are you afraid of that? And he was afraid of that because he felt bad that uh, the, the area was getting trashed. And he goes, I know who did this. It was Roger. That guy's an asshole. Oh <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, well, yeah, I don't know. But I'm, I'm happy to help out in the neighborhood. It, it sucks that, that people have to, to stay out here. And I, I kind of was feeling bad. I was like, uh, you know, he seemed like a nice enough guy, so I asked him about his tent. His, his the orange thing sticking out the top I was like, "Is that your tent? Are you staying in that tonight?" And he goes, "Yeah." And he kind of had a little flourish. He pulls it out and like tosses it in the air, and it lands on the ground in a perfectly formed kind of oh dome. Oh, as seen thing. on TV. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> it's freaking awesome. <laughs> and, uh, no was, setup required. Yeah, I know. I was like. <laughs> Man, I wonder is that thing uh, waterproof? Like that, pretty. Like I kind of want one of those. You know, <laughs> you go camping. Uh, that would be uh, that'd be pretty wild. But anyway, we we were sort of comparing notes on our carts, and um, and he Jeez. seemed like a nice, non-threatening guy. But it was getting dark, so I told him, "Well, I'm about done here, so so I got to go, and uh, you take care, and you know, have a have a good night." And he's like, "Yeah, you too." So I get my cart and I walk to the other end of this parking lot. You know, it's like 50 yards down. And then I make a left turn down the street, uh, turn the corner, and I'm going to, you know, walk around that corner to my house. And when I get around the corner, I start hearing this just obscenity-laced tirade. He's like, fucking, fuck, fuck, God, fuck, And I was just like. this guy. I'm. He was the only one there, yeah. so yeah. that's my assumption. I was uh-huh. just like, "What happened? Oh. What just happened?" Like, w- was it you? He was calm, and so 
Here's where we get to the choose your own adventure okay. part of this. Okay. So you guys choose your own adventure books, staple of my childhood. Yeah, me too. Books written in the second person. If we have any younger yeah. listeners, it they were these books you read and they say, you're on this adventure. You're running through the forest and the dinosaurs are chasing you. What do you do? And you get to decide, you know... If, if, if you want to jump in the river, go to page eight. If you want to climb a tree, go to page 22. Sure. And the story unfolds based on the choices you make. Mm-hmm. Right. There's so, consequences. This yeah, yeah. when they taught kids that there were consequences for their decisions. That's right. Jump in the when river. When everyone didn't get a trophy. Yeah, yeah. You know? That's right. Sometimes you made a mistake and you died. Yes. You know? Those are the good old days. That was the problem with Choose Your Own. <laughs> Half of the, the plot lines ended in you dying. You know? And then you got to start scary. the book all over again. Yeah. That's where reincarnation comes in. Right. <laughs> so uh, what do you do? What, what You guys choose your own adventure. You're me. You've uh, got your pizza donut sausage mess cleaned up. You finished talking to this guy. And now he's screaming and obscenity is dinner waiting at home with a cold beer the cold beer is probably there we've already eaten dinner though yeah well i'm just trying to think this is what i always do i try to think about all the options right so one option is you ignore you go home another option is you you go back and see if he's okay a third option i guess is you call some you know because you're concerned you call somebody right uh, yeah you know um i guess i think those are the three options i mean the the truth is because I'm a I'm a coward who also doesn't like interactions with people. I think you're a lot friendlier than I am, Rob. <laughs> um, I probably I would worry about the dude. I probably would like lose sleep that night. But I, if I'm going to be completely honest, I I probably would be a little worried about going back. Oh yeah, I'd go home. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no way I would turn around. I'd be like, oh gosh, oh no. Uh, well, he held it together when he was with me. I'm happy for that. You know, now he's having a breakdown, but hmm. yeah. Yeah. So uh, the choose your own then says you both died. I'm sorry. What? Yeah. yeah. Well, or we both suck as human beings. Yeah. yeah. If you'd have gone back, then that meteor uh, that, that came down wouldn't have hit you in the head. <laughs> the right car. There. The car that came careening around the corner. <laughs> right. yeah. uh, okay. So uh, what actually happened, I had the same thoughts as you, which oh. was like, Oh, I don't want to go back. Like I, I got that little jolt of adrenaline, right? Where right. it's like yeah. somebody's suddenly screaming. Uh, it wasn't like painful. It was more like mad. Right. Uh, yeah. Screaming. Yeah. It sounds mad. Yeah. So uh, I, I kind of like stood there for a sec, and then I'm like, you know what? I, I'm going back. Wow. So, so I walked He's back. A better guy. He's better. This giver. is the whole point of the story. Is he just wants to like. I know. Not only us, but whoever's listening to this yeah. to be like, <laughs> yeah, Rob's my favorite. Yeah, Rob's my favorite. Rob's my favorite. He's my favorite. He is yeah. my favorite. I mean, right now he is. I got to admit that. Okay, so uh, that is not my motivation. Uh, trust <laughs> you me. You weren't thinking ahead. did not want to go back. And actually, before I tell you what happened, I, I think your third idea of call somebody else Portland actually has a street response team wow. with social workers. SRT. Uh, so it's not like calling the police. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's calling for real help. And that's that's a reasonable thing to do. Uh, so I walked back and the one of the reasons I agreed with myself to do this is I felt like there was a buffer. He was at the other end right. of this parking lot. I'm not, you know, right up in his face and... And I feel like I could probably outrun him, too. Although he had a better <laughs> cart than my cart, so that, that's iffy. Uh, so I go back, and um, and I kind of, uh, you know, with a loud voice so he can hear me, I'm like, 
uh, hey, is everything okay? You know, and, yeah. and, and he's like, oh, oh, yeah, uh, I, that was not aimed at you. I wasn't, I was talking to myself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, sorry. I was just, uh, I was yelling at myself. And I was like, well, yeah, okay. Be kind to yourself too, you know? And, and, uh, and he just was really appreciative. He's like, yeah, thanks for caring. And thanks for, uh, you know, being the, the member of the community, you know? And he, and he just calmed down and I was like, okay, yeah, you take it easy and have a good night. And, I still felt bad walking away. Like maybe there right. was something more I could do for this guy, but um, you know that, that was about as much energy as as I had for that. Um, and it just got me thinking more and more about where post carbon is going with the great unraveling. Mm. This these kind of scenes that I see a lot in Portland where. You know, there's people struggling and there's litter and there's drug problems and there's crime. And, you know, they're cascading because of a lot of external forces that, that you know, yeah, people make bad choices, but also a lot of things aren't their fault. Yeah. And, and actually, one of the things that, that that man said to me that was interesting, he was he was saying, yeah, a lot of people out here on the streets are struggling with mental illness. Right. Totally. You know? he so he's, to you. Yeah, he's totally aware yeah, of this. Yeah, it sounds like he has schizophrenia. I don't know for sure, but yeah, it's the I kind suspect, of thing you would happen with. Yeah, him. I suspect he is too, And mm-hmm. but uh, seemed like a gentle character, sure. except with himself, you know, right. like that was, that was amazing. So anyway, I, I just wanted to share this like scene of the great unraveling and, and, uh, and say that I think there are ways you can engage. And I really love the report, a share that you and Richard, uh, wrote on the topic and the, that I helped to edit. Uh, and that's been striking a chord with our audience. So I certainly would want to encourage our listeners to go to postcarbon.org and download that sucker. It's called um, Welcome to the Great Unraveling. And uh, yeah, really good. Mm. Yeah. It sounds a little bit like the mutual aid kind of idea as well, a bit where you're, you know, you're, you're directly engaging with somebody rather than expecting that some higher level, you know, institution, you know, the social workers, the bureaucracy will help, that you're taking the elite, not just in communicating with the person, but also in picking up trash. Right. So, right. Um, Sometimes I wonder if it's uh, futile, you know, yeah. is, this, is this really helping anything? But, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm still stuck on thinking about this dude, man. You, you know, just trying to imagine, like, did he, was he starting to yell as soon as you left? It was when I got around the corner. I how was long, out of sight. How long so do you think that? Probably like, you know, 30, 40 seconds or something. So, you know, I just like can't help but wonder, was he kind of like yelling himself because he's playing back in his head the interaction he had with you? And he's like, you know, how much of it had to do with this like social interaction that he had and maybe how much importance he placed on that social interaction? And he's like, because yeah, we've all done this, right? You imagine when you're, you're 15 years old or something like that, you know, talking to a girl, you know, and you're like, and then you leave that, afterwards, that, you're like, that, oh, that, I that, fucked that up yeah, like, yeah. so badly. Do you know what I mean? So I'm like, I'm feeling like, like this deep empathy for this guy who maybe, I'm totally projecting, but yeah. like, maybe he's alone, he's struggling with it, you know, he's stuck with his own thoughts a lot. Here he has this interaction with somebody who maybe to him is like somebody who's got it together, yeah, you know, and then up he's like, Roger, <laughs> and then he's like, just, you know, beating himself up, you know, and, and 
He's doing the Chris Farley thing. Yeah. I'm stupid, stupid. <laughs> just I don't. I really have no idea. I know. I'm just it, projecting. It, I just my heartbreak. You know, just yeah. all these it, stories yeah. of heartbreak. Yeah. You know, I like, mean, it could have been something like, oh, I was hoping to stay here, but this place actually kind of sucks right now. Yeah. Or yeah, you know, I I have no idea. Um, yeah, I mean, I, we can't, we can't know. I just um, I, look, I I will say that. I'm not going to give you too much credit. It was a small gesture. It was a small <laughs> effort that you made, but it was an important effort yeah. that you made, right? Like, exactly. And I know that, Rob, you've made – you've been making this effort in this place. You could have easily – you know, you moved into this new community in Portland, right? You moved up there. You got this this house, and COVID hits like months later or whatever, <laughs> weeks later, right? And everyone's hunkering down. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you see like around the corner, very close to your home, right? Where you live with your with your wife and 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 two daughters, sometimes three daughters, and like whose safety you're concerned about. And you're seeing this devolving shit show happening around the corner. And and I think many people we're conditioned to think that that problem is over there. Yeah. Or I can't get engaged with this thing because I'll just get sucked in. It's yeah. not safe. Yeah. Or if I go a little bit, right. then I have to go all the way. Right. And I can't do that. How much help you are know? they going to ask me to do? Right. right? Yeah. So you 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 ration you know you rationalize all the reasons why you stay out, and you didn't never did that. You went in, and obviously you're concerned about your safety, but you're like trying to clean up, and you're. Well, let's also uh, note one of my characteristics which is i can deal with disgusting shit so actually that same day <laughs> i picked up a dead cat off the corner uh and it's like i noticed it there and it's starting to get bigger right it's uh, bloating God. and i'm like Jeez. well where are the vultures well so that was a thing I did want, roger put it there i <laughs> wanted to get this cat but I, I had another cat that i picked up that was like 30 feet long i mean it had been picked uh, into a oh, and we have coyotes in the neighborhood oh, okay. so uh, but I, I seem to be a little less squeamish about that stuff. So yeah. I feel like it's a service I can provide without yeah, I mean, without taking as much that, of a beating as somebody else. That's great else. that you have that self awareness you want to do. Yeah. But I'm just giving you some props here for because I think it's really easy, and I have been guilty many many times in my life of sort of looking the other way with all of these rationalizations for why we do that, right? Yeah. And I think to your point, we're we're now in this situation where Maybe it's come for all of us in the sense that the things that many of us have been privileged enough to keep invisible in terms of the suffering of people and the planet, you know, from the the just being put in the maw of this fucking machine that we've created, right? Yeah. Has been invisible to a lot of us. In fact, we pay good money to keep it invisible, yeah, right? For exactly. these systems That's to what work. Our taxes are for. And now it's it's sort of like unavoidable on some level, right? Yeah. For many of us. And and we have this choice of like, do we reckon with it? Maybe we're the ones who are suffering from it. You know, do we basically try to be in denial? You know, and and it is a choose your own adventure situation for all of us. So, yes, the great unraveling it's coming for all of us. We are all going to have to navigate it. We are faced with choices. One of those choices, of many choices, is how do we. Do we practice mutual aid? Do we come to the support and aid of others? But how do we do that in a way where we're actually caring for ourselves as well? Because that's the other thing you do is like, yeah. I went through this phase when I was in my late teens, early 20s, where I felt like, and this was OCD, like I didn't know this at the time, but it was definitely uh -huh. like borderline OCD. 
I felt like I had to pick up every piece of litter and garbage I saw. Uh-huh. So, and I would actually be, and not to the degree that this guy was like, he was yelling at himself. That's what like, Rob's doing now. Yeah, I kind of. <laughs> no, I, I choose which litter to pick up. I, I didn't feel like I had a choice. I felt like it was almost existential. Like if I, if I didn't do it, it was basically like a failure. Not it was going to choke a turtle or something. And, and Or no, it wasn't even just that. Okay. It was like I had given up. Do you uh-huh. know what I mean? And and it would be a slippery slope or whatever. So for like a year, dude, I like how much do you I think never you got up? anywhere. How much do you think you picked up? A lot, yeah. You know because it was but, just there. So around, wait, were you? Know? How did you do that? Like, were you? Was it dispersed enough that you could just grab yeah. a piece and yeah, stick yeah, it yeah. in your pocket? Or we're were just you talking on? about litter. We're not talking. I wasn't going to homeless encampments okay. with like okay. piles of shit everywhere. Well, I mean, he didn't have you know, a cart like you. Yeah, you weren't a, like a bag man. No, no, no. I didn't go that way. But I just was like, oh, I see a piece of litter. Yeah. Do I just ignore it? And I felt like I couldn't do that. And I obsessed over it, you know. And I remember, Rob, you talking about how, you know, you were without a car for a while. And, you know, you had to bike everywhere. And it was a fucking pain in the ass sometimes, you know, to do it. And and maybe you felt like, I've got to do this. It's like all or nothing sort of situation, you know. And and Yeah, that was like a political choice. I think similar to yours. Like, I was so fed up with the idea of we need to get off of cars and stop using them that I was like... I can do my morally superior. Ha ha, look at me. I'm a cyclist. I'm better than all of you. But yeah. but yeah, like you get to that point where my daughter's sick and I've hooked up the trailer and I'm sick <laughs> and I'm taking her to a doctor's appointment in the right. rain and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? And meanwhile, everyone else is zooming Splashing by me you. in their yeah, Canyon a, Arrow or whatever. Yeah, right, SUV, right. You know? yeah, I mean, right. it's... It, oh, <laughs> the reason I bring this up is like... You know, it's easy to sort of to to say you, it's like an all or nothing proposition in a sense, and uh-huh. I think a lot of people feel that way about. You're saying it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Like, yes, like do I, what you can. I think the hardest thing is for it to not be all, all or nothing. nothing. So, right, set this, a boundary, right? but do something. And that's why, like, navigating that space of like, yeah. how do we care for others? How do we care and practice empathy while not basically sacrificing ourselves entirely to yeah. maybe? I'm not going to call this like quixotic, you know, like. Right. Uh, this is a pointless exercise, but you know it's easy to be like, I'm going to die on this fucking hill. Yeah, it's more Sisyphean than Quixotic. Yeah, right? yeah. I, I have issues where, like, so my wife happens to work with people that often don't have health insurance, and she sees people who, you know, are, English is not their first language, and they're often, you know, coming from difficult situations. And she is a healthcare provider for those people. So every day, she's like in the midst of conversations with folks like that. Yeah. And when she comes home, she wants to be, it to be like a retreat. Like she yeah. does not want. So the problem is that sometimes what I would do is I would like bring, bring stuff home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it would be like, no, 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 no. Yeah, I can't <laughs> no, take it anymore. No. Yeah. I do this work. I don't want anybody around yeah. to bother me. Like I don't want to have any obligations. I don't want to have to feel like I have to be, present with somebody besides my family you know and so it's interesting it's like i've had to like i've had to back off mm-hmm. of like dragging any sort of thing from the outside in to some extent or just keeping things at a little bit more distance because of that yeah so it's great so i let her handle that stuff right. and then i feel fine and I then you, you can unload during this podcast yeah, exactly. instead of unloading with her right? yeah exactly <laughs> I, but, yeah i just i think that this is one of the challenges for us. We have to practice mutual aid. So we, we should actually talk about what that even means, right? I yeah. Mean, mutual aid, you brought that up, Jason. Like, you know, it's it's 
the, the truth of the matter is it, you, we could come up with a term for it. We can call it mutual aid. We could, we could talk about the roots of it, you mm-hmm. know, um, Ultimately, what we're talking about is the way the human communities have practiced, you know, living community for forever, right? Yeah. It's it's a basically about if you look at indigenous communities and 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 you understand their history and their culture, you know, of necessity, basically, uh, people are not left to their own devices to succeed or fail, right? right. It's 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 together, you know. Our our victories are shared, our suffering and our failures are shared, and and seeing that we have to we live in a world where everything is mutual, you mm-hmm. know, and we could go back to the biology of that, the mitochondria that's in our, you know, in our cells, right? Like it, it's all mutualism ultimately, but oh. we we just divorce ourselves in a sense from that and. But you know, many yeah, communities I, I of do, necessity practice. I, I no longer have mitochondria. No, in my cells. Exactly. They've they've gotten a divorce. So. <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's you know, in some ways, it's it's ironic. I think that the the wealthier you are, the more likely it is that you are going to have relationships that are monetized. Yeah, it's all transactional. It's all transactional. Yeah. As you look at like maybe communities that don't have as much wealth. They've had to trade favors. They've had to do this mutual aid thing to just eke out a livable world for yeah. them. And it's almost then they're in some sense. People talk about like who are the people, who are the communities that are most at risk for the great unraveling. And I wonder, you know, where is it going to really break? You know, some wealthy like gated community where everybody's used to a DoorDash showing up and the house yeah. cleaner and the Mister Fix It come come in to like take care of their gutters, or some neighborhood where people aren't that well off, but somebody's a plumber, somebody's an electrician, somebody's a farmer. Right. You know, people are into childcare. People are into, do the basic healthcare stuff. There's nurses or whatever, and they haven't had money to pay for all the services. And so they've been exchanging favors for, for decades. Maybe they grow up in a community. So I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Well, yeah. and like, you know, second law of thermodynamics gates rust and break down. I mean, how long <laughs> is your gated community really going to be gated? You know, it's yeah. that, I mean, God, we can have a whole conversation around that because on the one hand you could, you could easily argue that, that, the. That people in communities of privilege and and whose life experience has been one of privilege, well, first of all, I would actually question whether it's true privilege because they've, like you said, they've yeah. changed relationships into transactions. Yeah, you know. But you could say, oh, man, their their resilience is so fucking low that when the shit hits the fan, they don't know what the hell to do. Right? right. Like it's it's we talked about Douglas Shorshkov, You know, the billionaires yeah. worrying about like how they how they keep their their armed guards. As long as money, as long right. as money and private property rights are enforced, and that's why they want to hold on to them as yeah. as much as possible. So yeah. you could look at them and be like, actually, those guys are fucked, and the right. and the people who have who've had to struggle day to day more, you know, or and have have networks, informal networks of mutual aid that exist are more resilient. And I, I, in general, I think that that's true. Unfortunately, at the same time, we're dealing with power dynamics where the people that are in privileged positions still have access to a lot of power and they're going to do everything in their fucking power yeah. to maintain that as much as possible and, and basically keep pulling out the, the, the meager resources of the, you know, 90% of the world, yeah. you know, to maintain that as much as possible. Well, so. And to be honest, I mean, we're kind of in our own worlds in that same boat. Like, I'm going to work hard to protect, you know, you yeah, you talked about my house and my family and yeah. like, I want to hang on to that. I want to keep it, you know, and that's, 
because we're kind of stuck in this private property setup that we've got. Uh, but you know, the guy that I ran into, he, he doesn't have that. He doesn't, you know, maybe that's what he was upset about. You know, he doesn't, he can't just walk around the corner and go sleep in a nice bed. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine. Um, I want to take it back though, Sherry, you, uh, started talking about how we all have to navigate this in-between space. And we've been calling it the liminal space Mm -hmm. uh, because I guess that's what that means in between. And I I don't think I understood that real well until I started experiencing this sort of thing. It's like you you have to decide for yourself how much to engage or not engage. And it's not like you you said with the litter. It's not all or nothing. You know, you don't have to... You don't have to be a nut because you can't, you can't solve everything. And that, that's one of the, I think, key points of, of our report, this Welcome to the Great Unraveling report. Another key point is something we bring up pretty regularly, or at least you two bring up, and that's uh, to be smarter about how you process information. So like mm-hmm. thinking in systems, uh, thinking critically, and even... Uh, thinking outside of the way maybe that that we've been taught over time, like, um, you know, I know a lot of uh, indigenous societies, you know, they process community decisions much, much differently than a, a bunch of people living in their own houses in, in a, you know, standard American town do nowadays. Oh, HOA is doing a fantastic job. You're Rob, <laughs> Rob, you're wrong about that. And it's, it's school board meetings, they're fantastic too. Just as, a, as an example oh, yeah, of people coming good. together. Yeah. Oh. In fact, yeah. uh, I like it when the HOA and the school board <laughs> meet together. Combined. That's the liminal space <laughs> exactly. I'm talking about. The potlucks are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I've been in some like places where um, it was like consensus-based decision-making. Yeah. And it, what a double edge. They're still meeting right now. Well, that's the problem. It's this double edged sword where you're like, you realize, oh, that's wonderful. Because I've actually been in situations where you decide to like break the consensus and go Robert's rule of orders or whatever. And, right. and then somebody's already always upset. And that that upsetness lingers and then it leads to problems later. And so you see why some of these traditional methods where they take forever to decide mm-hmm. have to do with the fact that they want to bring the community along. And they want to incorporate, and they want to at least make, make people feel like they've been listened to so well. And I think the rate, the way that the reason that could work in the past was that everything was so much slower, right? Like you had, you had, you were, you were spending all this time in community. You had all these times to have conversations, right? It was you, at you, the pace of biology. Yes, right? yeah. Yes. We're at the pace of technology. Yeah, right? think yeah. of the ants in Lord of the Rings. Right? Yes, exactly. They, they had the ant moot, and yeah. they would spend uh, eons, eons with the opening, right? Because they're trees. You know? <laughs> right. And so I think the problem we have now is like, we grew up with this pace, this pace, this pace, and this pace requires a decision. I mean, how often nowadays are you upset because the decision isn't made in time? Right. Yeah. It happens all the time. One thing, I don't know if you guys suffer from decision fatigue the way I do, but there's some times right. of the day where I'm like, I'm not making another decision. Totally. <laughs> I can't do yeah. it. I, I'm just like, yeah. I would rather do hard physical labor than make a decision right now. And this is the cost of complexity to society where you have to have all these sort of, you know, layers, these hierarchies, these bureaucracies, these these levels of expertise. Because of course, you don't want someone who's not an advanced engineer to make a decision about the local bridges. Okay? But there's only so many people trained that well and there, there's a process they have to go to to make it transparent and 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 
And so you can see why, like, it just gets bogged down eventually. And this is sort of a tainter-esque sort of problem, right? The, the ability to actually manage and make decisions, you demand the speed, but humans can't. So, you know, Ta- I got it. AI I, is going to take care of it. Can I just say tainter-esque? You're talking Joseph Tainter. Yes, nothing, nothing nothing about the taint. Nothing about the wonderful perineum. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. <laughs> perineum-esque. Yes. Jo- Joseph Tainter, who wrote what? Uh, the, collapse the Collapse of, of Complex, complex Societies. Society. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the other, the, just the other thing about what you were saying, Jason, was, um, again, back to the transactional nature of relationships. You know, we have this weird gap, I think, that's that's growing, right? Which is... Things are kind of unraveling. Generally, people don't feel like they're doing well emotionally, mentally. Right. I, I just think like... Even if materially are fine, they like, you're aware of the other parts I, I of the world. I just think that like, there's a lot of shit going on and yeah. it may be, you know, subterranean, subconscious or whatever. Yeah. And, and then you have this like Karen phenomenon, you know, uh-huh. like all these like, you know, uh, endless examples of people, you know, who are acting out of their mind because they're upset that they're not getting their way about something. And, and, and it's like the combination of the fact that we've, we've actually conditioned certain people in particular to expect things as the customer. The customer is always right. Yeah. And I live in this complex world in the system where I could, I want something and I've got the, I could put on my credit card and boom, this thing materializes. And if it doesn't materialize right away, what the fuck is going on? And I'm mad. Right. Do you know what I mean? And you take that and how we've been ingrained in that and trained, you know, in that, and the relationships are very much this like, this power dynamic of I'm the, I'm the customer and you're the whoever, the worker. And we had a moment, right, where we're like, oh, these are essential workers. Let's clap for them. Do you know what I mean? But really, we didn't give two, you know, two shits in the long run. And and now things are not going to work as well. They're going to yeah. actually work much worse yeah, you know, over time. Yeah, we have so much more patience. And oh, my God. Yeah. How do we learn to to yeah. actually have empathy and re- recognize that this is a – there is mutualism at play here. We have to give and in order to receive. And that's a rewiring yeah. Do we have the time to rewire in the way that we need to in order to actually be able to get through the shit that we need to get through? Because we're not going to get through it individually, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. It's a it's a race. I think that's a weird thing. It's like we both need to like slow down and 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 lower expectations for the speed of which things can happen if we're going to work together better yeah. and be a community. And at the same time, events are happening so quickly. That we kind of demand a rapid response, and we need to respond. And we rapidly. need to respond. So yeah. I think this is a, a, one of those predicaments. Yeah, it's a. Uh, uh, but one of one of the really big keys to that is being in good shape yourself. Yes, right. Like uh, I was talking about decision fatigue when I'm feeling that, or when I'm administratively overloaded. Yeah. Like I'm not a good person. Right. Yeah. It's not. That's not the time I'm going to turn around and go talk to to my friend who's struggling in the street. Right. 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 And. Uh, that was another of the cool things in the report. It, uh, the Welcome to the Great Unraveling report. It talked about, you know, what what is it that you need to do as an individual to kind of steal yourself to to make yourself stronger to be in this unsure time to to walk mm-hmm. through that liminal space. And so, how how you know what are what are the characteristics of a psychologically resilient person mm-hmm. and i thought that was uh maybe that's a key thing that we can share with folks just yeah. so they, they can start thinking about it um 
Yeah. And maybe we can each just just share some of it. I mean, the, the a lot of people, I think, are under this myth that the ones who fare the best and who are the mentally healthiest are the optimists. Mm. The ones who are like, oh, you just make lemonade out of lemons. Or I mean, have you yeah. seen Steven Pinker? He's like the, the <laughs> happiest, most well-adjusted dude around. He, totally. I mean, that's why he has photos of himself in his house. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean that's the that's not it. Obviously. No, it, yeah, you've yep. got to. I think the ability to be realistic as much as possible, to really accept, to, to observe without rose tinted glasses on, to observe reality, and then make realistic assessment, and then plans accordingly. I think that's yeah. really important. And, and even the guy McPherson part, like, you don't have shit tinted glasses right, either it's right. like not rose tinted not like you said observe, observe and see right. realistic realistically what's going on around you right. but not in a spock way do you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i think i i think that that's also a um a mechanism of avoidance in a sense mm-hmm. which is like because i think somebody could interpret what you're saying jason and think okay well i just have to be very hyper rational look at this situation dispassionately and try to think about the best thing to do, which is true. I think we have to deal with reality. And at the same time, part of dealing with reality is, is actually sitting with, you know, what, what this feels like, what this means because, and processing that on some level, because holy shit, this stuff is heavy. And if we don't actually process some of that stuff, I don't think we're actually going to make rational decisions. Yes. So not having an emotional intelligence that not only deals with your own emotions, but also maybe then can be empathetic to how others yeah. might be reacting. So well, it comes to self-care. Well, this right? leads, I think, to the second critical factor. There's four of these. So you just mentioned uh, you know, the ability to be realistic, make realistic plans, and you added a share to that that deal with your emotions as you're looking at this reality, mm-hmm. especially if it's something that's hard to look at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second one, then, is to have a positive self-concept and confidence in your own strengths and abilities, and that means obviously being able to recognize what your what your strengths and abilities are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people, you know, uh, including presidents of the United States, kind of over <laughs> overstate their uh, strengths and abilities. Well, well, some people under understate too. Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, it's um, why am I blanking on Dunning Kruger? Yeah, thank you, <laughs> Dunning Kruger. Right. Um, so. I would add like a maybe a little caveat to that, which is it is important to to recognize in a, and uh, and acknowledge your own strengths and kind of lean into them and your own capacity because I think we we probably all have more capacity than we might recognize, and at the same time, good to recognize maybe where we don't have as many strengths and, and that gets back to the mutualism because mm-hmm. like for a really stupid example, okay, my wife and I. Um, oh, she compensates a lot for you. Oh, <laughs> she overcompensates. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but for example, I just learned, even though I'm quote unquote the man of the relationship, yeah. I have my spatial awareness sucks. Oh. I'm really bad at like figuring out how to like build things or do whatever. I'm great at doing it. She's great at reading the instructions and yes. like kind of telling me what to do. So we sort of figured out like right. in this situation, I, you know, I'm not the dumbest person in the world, but when it comes to certain things, like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Yeah. You know I mean, if I had to try to figure it out myself, I just don't have that brain, right? right? So just sort of understanding what our strengths are and recognizing that other people have different strengths and yeah. bringing them together, you know, collectively yeah. probably is the best. And having a positive self-concept. Like, it's good that you, 
you know, you're an idiot when it comes to putting together a basketball hoop on the side of the house. So you just follow the directions of what to screw in where. But exactly. but you're not kicking yourself for that. You're like, that's not my strength. But yeah. I can. It took I can me a while to accept. You know, it was a few basketballs, <laughs> basketball hoops landing the, on my just head. Just like that, crashing yeah. on the windshield of the car. Exactly. Yeah. It took a little while. Your boys yeah. in the hospital okay. with a broken arm. You, you boys got, are shaking got, their head. The They're embarrassed stick- to be associated with me. You got me. the hoop sticking up and the backboard sticking horizontal. <laughs> right. right yeah, well, I'm just trying to invent a new game. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, a third uh, critical factor for being psychologically resilient is to develop your communication skills and, and applying those communication skills towards solving problems. And I mean, we see this all the time. Anybody does in a family, a work environment, uh, dealing with the guy uh, that I was talking to around the corner, and I feel bad. I keep calling him the guy. We know Roger the asshole, but I don't even know his name. That's... I, was, I want to call him me because I was thinking about the uh, the Roger Me film. Uh, oh. Yeah, right. But um, but being able to yeah figure out how you can converse with the the people that you're coming into. Contact I think with. it's very simple. It's being directive and authoritarian. That's the way to communicate <laughs> with people, right? Oh, it's yes. my way or the highway. Yes. Right? yes. I have so much trouble with this where I think I'm doing a slow, clear communication and then people just haven't actually understood me. So I think that's it's a, that's a really hard one. And I, I don't get upset when people don't understand me. I just sort of like try to say it again. Um, but yeah, that that is amazing. Can you repeat? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but that that is amazing. It, it, it's always more work than you think it's going to be. I know. It's, it's absolutely astonishing. And I... I don't know how I, I I'm having a hard time like recognizing that. I mean, we we've known each other for like twelve or fifteen years, right? And I'm still yeah. waiting to understand one thing that you've said <laughs> in that time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. No, it it's that's probably. I mean, honestly, that's about the most challenging thing there is. Be a good communicator. Go <laughs> <Right>. forth. <laughs> like, okay. Well, this is about the time again. About like having the time. Like, do you feel you have the time? To sit with somebody and say, "Okay, what what do you believe? What do you believe? Like, explain to me what you heard me, or something like that." Like, that's the thing; it takes that kind of follow through often. But yeah. sometimes people are like, "When my wife does this to me, sometimes I just roll my eyes. I'm just like, oh, come on, I got this. Leave me alone.'" Like, Spouses really enjoy when you roll yeah. your eyes at <laughs> right. them. That's you yeah. know, like you're going to make me repeat it back to you. You want me to repeat it back to you? Oh God, yeah, that kind of thing. But I understand why she does it. So yeah. I have to be more patient. Yeah, patience uh, probably a key there. Well, uh, and seeing it as a constant process of, yeah. of learning how to be better listeners and more empathetic, and yeah, even stupid things like you know I feel this way versus saying you are doing this, right? You know, um, even though they're absolutely wrong. <laughs> yeah, I know that's <laughs> so tough. Yeah. Everybody else is always Everyone wrong. Everyone else is wrong. <laughs> Uh, That's why it's so much easier for Donald Trump. Okay, well, here's like certain about everything. Here's a far easier uh, one. This is the fourth and final critical factor in cultivating your own psychological resilience, and that's the ability to manage strong impulses and feelings. This one's easy for me because I just I have no feelings. I just shut them all off, cut them off, sociopathic. It's simple. Yeah. Oh man, I felt easy peasy. I felt so good. I don't even remember what I was pissed about. I think something fell out of a cabinet and hit me in the hand and it hurt and I didn't like it and I had the thing in my hand and I was about to just spike it on the floor and I was like I did the whole like lowering of the arm all 
clenched and I was like, okay. And I set it down on the counter like, hey, I managed my idiot impulse. <laughs> I actually have a lot to say about this because so during the pandemic, um, you know, one of our sons, I'm not going to name who it is because one of two God forbid one of two. Yeah. yeah. Um, was really struggling with online school. And there's a lot of anger because he, he he's a very social being. And uh-huh. like the thing about school for him was the social interaction. Uh. And that was all taken away from him. And and he would have these sort of emotional blowups. And he basically was unregulated. He was really struggling. And we actually went, wound up going to see, you know, talking to a kind of a child and family therapist. And and that was the first time I got introduced to the idea of, of the window of tolerance or uh-huh. the zone of tolerance. And, and we actually at PCI did did kind of a session with one of our advisors, Leslie Davenport, who uh, is a psychotherapist and works on climate uh, psychotherapy in mm. particular. And she was also introducing this concept uh, to the staff, which is this idea of like, you know, we get we get tipped, basically. We become unregulated. So we become overstimulated, right? Or, be, or we become under, you know, and these are different approaches or different ways of coping with with stress, mm-hmm. um, you know, things that create a big emotional reaction for us. So some of us flip our lids or sometimes we flip right. our lids and sometimes we just shut down emotionally, right? right? And oh, people yeah. do it in different ways based upon how they learn how to cope with these things. And and building your window of tolerance is just about stretching your, your capacity to deal with stressful situations. So in your situation, Rob, when you got hurt by this thing, maybe the, the reaction to kind of like slam this thing on the ground is built up over all these other frustrations. And maybe because you read the fucking news right, about what's right. happening with the you know, temperatures in the North Atlantic, you know what I mean? Right. And, and so us being able to process and practice self-care and, and grow that window of tolerance allows us to deal with stressful situations better. And there are lots of things that are actually exercises that people can do hmm. that teaches you what your things are. Like I learned from myself petting my dog. Help me re-regulate. Oh, Walking yeah. around the neighborhood, help me. Exercise, help me. Yeah. You know, um, for different people, it's different things. Listening to music. Yeah, you know, I go birding. Punching Rob in the face. <laughs> yeah. Know? That's a favorite pastime exactly. of everybody. There's like a whole line. Do you remember <laughs> yeah. Airplane? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's that scene of like this yeah. woman freaking out and they're all lined up yeah, to like slapper. shake her. and they're like yeah. carrying baseball bats. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, I thought uh, maybe a fun concluding exercise for us would be to take those four... Uh, Mm. critical factors that help you uh, develop and cultivate your psychological resilience and apply them to how I did in, in trying to uh, work with this, this this meeting with the guy on the street. So we're talking about the ability to make realistic plans and take steps necessary to implement them, positive self-confidence concept and confidence in your strengths and abilities Communication, problem-solving skills, and the ability to manage your feelings, right? Okay, yeah. So that first one, ability to make realistic plans and take steps necessary to implement. I don't think I did a damn thing on that That doesn't really apply to this. It's kind of in the moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, would you say that in retrospect it would have been calling to get the guy help or like would well, you intervene yeah in that's way? actually a good point because you it, when you brought up here's the three responses i hadn't even thought of that that yeah. third one of call for some some more professional uh better help than what i'm gonna be able to give so like i i do think uh that would be doing that that would be planning ahead and making realistic plans would be running these scenarios in your mind and thinking how might I play these out going forward? It doesn't seem like he needed someone called for, right? But you didn't know that. But I, but I found out. I didn't. Yeah, I hadn't done that. So mm-hmm. I, I, I give myself at best a C minus, D plus uh, okay. on that one. Oh. 
Uh, okay, so the second one is uh, is what you said, Asher. It's the it's the positive self concept and confidence in your strengths and abilities. I think I give myself a pass on this. I think I uh, I like I can talk to him uh, just like he's my neighbor because that's yeah. what he is to me. Hmm. Um, and I feel like I can at least kind of talk my way out of stuff too. Like if it was going to be more confrontational, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm okay. And, uh, sort of disengaging if I need to, and yeah. I'm, I'm a pretty fast runner. Yeah. And, uh, so you know, I, you got that in your back pocket yeah. and I, I think I can fight, but I probably can't. Yeah. <laughs> just run, just run. Yeah. Running then, is, so is that a definitely a positive self-concept there. <laughs> and go for the eyes. Try to bite eyes. Is that your? That's no. your. Uh, you go for the eyes. So you this go for is the, the takeaway of this whole bite. conversation: right. is <laughs> bite this, people's eyes. This poor man <laughs> who's clearly struggling, right, and beating himself up. You're going to go and, and, and bite his eye. Bite his eye. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Right. Perfect sense. So anyway, I, I think I I get a passing grade on that one. Yeah. Uh, the the third one uh, then is is. Is what the communication? You know, be able to communicate well and right. Problem solve. And I, I think I'm okay with that. Oh, um, you're great I, with communication. I, I think you're giving yourself a low score on that. Yeah, front. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't there for this, but but the truth of the matter is, you know, you 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 had a rapport with this dude, yeah. and you came back and you talked to him, and he was appreciative. Well, and so. I I did naturally, at least I think it was natural, approach it from like cart appreciation. Oh, like, intent. Yeah. And intent. I'm not a I'm I not his a, tent. I'm not a stuff guy really, but we yeah. were like kind of like. You know, just checking out the carts and they're like, <laughs> oh yeah, I like how yours. Butts. Is, yeah, right, <laughs> right. No, there was very little butts sniffing, oh, but I'll think of that next time. Maybe okay. we'll put that in the uh, the real. That would not be good communication. <laughs> like, can I sniff your butt right now? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then the fourth one is the ability to manage strong impulses and feelings, and this is actually I, I don't think I'm that good at this generally, but this one. Flying colors yeah. this time because my impulse was just like what you said. It was to go, go home, home drive a beer, not deal with this yeah. at all. And I, I kind of overcame that and went back, and it ended much, much better. Yes. Now, uh, a little punchline to this oh. story. Oh, I, I, you know, I went and saw him, and I told him to be kind to himself, please, and and he thanked me, and we sort of ended on a. A second good note. Okay. And I walk around the corner again, and I get to the exact same spot, and then I hear this loud boom. What? what? And it uh, scared the freaking daylights. Like I was so adrenalized. Yeah. And it was around the Fourth of July, and it was just okay. a fireworks. Okay. It wasn't yeah. like a shooting or anything. But uh, but I was just like I had just kind of gotten an adrenaline jolt to go yeah. back to talk to the guy after the. You know, obscenity tirade, and now the damn firework. I, I felt like uh, you know. I think people suffering from like vets who yeah. are suffering from PTSD have that kind of response. Just like, uh, oh god, time to go home and get that beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I um, I appreciate you sharing that that story with us, uh, and I think that there's some yeah, there's some important lessons there. I I am going to be thinking about this guy though. I gotta mm-hmm. tell you, I I don't know what he looks like, but I have a picture in my head. You know, um, well, come on up, and we'll see if we can find him, yeah. and you can you, know, I, you can I hope continue okay. the conversation. I, I hope, hope we so don't too. run into that Roger. Yeah, <laughs> fucking Roger, bite his eyes out. <laughs> Can 
Crazy Town. Da 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 da